welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we'll be looking at the 1992 film, Batman Returns. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film, or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and a score to the film. Take a several-story plunge into a back alley, have dozens of stray cats lick and bite you back to life, find an extremely tight leather costume, take revenge against the men who wronged you in your life, and enjoy this episode. Do you think that one was too specific? Oh, that was great. (laughs) Um, Take revenge against the men. Ladies, take notes. Batman Returns is a 1992 American superhero film based on the DC character Batman. It is a, a sequel to Batman 1989 and the second installment in the 89 through 97 Batman series. In the film, superhero vigilante Batman comes into conflict with wealthy industrialist Max Schreck and the deformed crime boss Oswald Cobblepot, or the Penguin, or aka the Penguin, maybe I should say, who seek power, influence, and respect regardless of the cost cost to Gotham City. Their plans are complicated by Selina Kyle, Shrek's formerly meek secretary, who seeks vengeance against Shrek as Catwoman. Director Tim Burton had no interest in making a sequel to the successful Batman, believing that he was creatively restricted by the expectations of Warner Brothers. He agreed to return in exchange for uh, significant creative control. I wonder if that's going to show up in this movie at all. (laughs) I wonder! Including Hmm. replacing original writer Sam Hamm with Daniel Waters and hiring many of his previous creative collaborators. Waters' script focused more on the characterization than on overarching plot, and Wesley Strict was hired to complete an uncredited rewrite which, among many other elements, provided a master plan for the Penguin. Filming was done from September of 91 to February of 92, on sets and sound stages at Warner Brothers Studios and Universal Studios lot in California. Special effects primarily involved practical applications and makeup with some animatronics and computer-generated imagery. The film's marketing campaign was substantial, including brand collaborations and a variety of merchandise to replicate Batman's success. The film's budget is estimated between 50 and 80 million dollars, or 108.1 million and 173 million today. Given the massive uh, marketing deals and exact budget is unknown. Released on June 19, 1992, Batman Returns broke several box office records and earned about $266.8 million or $576.8 million today, worldwide. It failed to replicate the success or longevity of Batman, 89. However, this was blamed on its darker tone and violent or sexual elements, which alienated family audiences and led to backlash against marketing partners such as McDonald's for promoting the film to young children. That's actually something, um, I don't have it in my notes here, but one one of the things that I actually do remember was that the McDonald's toys for this... Uh, the penguin toy was Burgess Meredith from the 66 TV show. Oh. It wasn't Danny DeVito because they thought that Danny DeVito's design was too creepy and everything to put into toys. Reviews were critical of its tone and narrative, but more favorable towards the cast, giving near unanimous praise to Pfeiffer's performance. After the relative failure of Batman Returns, Burton was replaced as director of the third film, Batman Forever, with Joel Schumacher to take the series in a family-friendly direction. Keaton chose not to reprise his role, disagreeing with Schumacher's vision. Which is very interesting. I've mentioned before that I listened to Burton's commentary. I also listened to Schumacher's. And not just him, but other people have confirmed he was basically handed toys from Warner Brothers executives and said, make a movie out of this. Interesting. Like, Like, there was, especially Batman Forever, he had this vision about doing two parallel stories about a young Bruce Wayne becoming Batman and the psych- the psychological profile of Bruce Wayne right now as, like, a grown man and, like, how he was, like, breaking down. And Warner Brothers was like, no, 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 make toys. <laughs> like, um, and some little elements of it are in there with, like, Val Kilmer's Batman having visions of the giant bat coming towards him and everything like that, but it was mostly cut from the movie. Batman Forever and its sequel, Batman and Robin, fared less well critically, with the latter being considered one of the worst superhero films ever made and stalled the Batman film franchise until the series reboot 
with Batman Begins in 2005. Batman Returns was reassessed as one of the best Batman films in decades since its release, and its incarnations of Catwoman and Penguin are considered iconic. A comic book, Batman 89, released in 2021, continued the narrative of the original two Burton films, and Keaton will reprise his version of Batman in the DC Extended Universe film, The The Flash, in 2023. Just in a couple weeks, actually, it'll come... Actually, by the time this recording comes out, I think it's that week. Or it was already out. Eh, whatever. Batman Returns premiered on June 16th, 1992, at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Two blocks of Hollywood Boulevard were closed for over 3,000 fans, 33 uh, TV film crews, and 100 photographers. The film had a limited preview release in the U.S. and Canada on Thursday, June 18th, earning $2 million, or $4.3 million today. It had a wide release the following day and was shown on above a, uh, on a above-average 3,000 screens in 2,644 theaters. Batman Returns earned... million, or roughly $99 today, during its opening weekend, and was the number one film, ahead of Sister Act's fourth weekend and Patriot Games' third. There was this whole thing about, that I completely cut from my notes, but it was about all the movies that came out at that time period and how all the different studios Mm -hmm. were planning their releases around each other, but some of it's still in here a little bit. The figure broke the record for the highest grossing opening weekend set by Batman. Batman Returns had the highest grossing opening weekend of the year, surpassing Lethal Weapon 3. The film held the all-time record for biggest opening weekend until it was surpassed by Jurassic Park the next year. Performance analysis suggested that Batman Returns could become one of the all-time highest grossing films. Warner Brothers executive Robert Friedman said, We opened it the first real weekend when kids are out of school. The audience is everybody but the engine that drives the the charge are kids under 20. According to Patriot Games producer Mace Newfield, other films benefited from overflow audiences for Batman Returns, who did not want to wait in long lines and were turned away from sold-out screenings. It's funny. Comic book stores say the same thing, too, uh, about Batman comics. Uh, Batman is what keeps the comic book industry afloat, because people come in to buy Batman... They'll buy, like, three Marvel comics, uh, or, uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, other company, Boom Comics, they'll buy a a Boom Comics something, or whatever, um, but Batman is what keeps them coming back in every, every week, and Batman's always gotta be on time, because if Batman's not there, people don't show up to the store to buy the stuff. Um, Batman Returns earned 25.4 million, or roughly 55 million today, in its second weekend, a 44.3% drop, but was still the number one film again, again, ahead of the premiering Unlawful Entry and Sister Act. By the film's third weekend, it was the second fastest film to gross $100 million in 11 days, behind Batman from 89 and 10. It remained the number one film ahead of the premiering A League of Their Own and Boomerang. It never regained the number one position, falling to number four over its fourth weekend, and leaving the top 10 highest-grossing films by its 7th. The film left theaters in late October after 18 weeks, with a total of $162.8 million, or $352 million today. It was the third highest-grossing film of 1992, behind Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, and Aladdin. Batman Returns earned an estimated $104 million outside the U.S. and Canada, including a record-setting £2.8 million opening weekend in the United Kingdom. It broke the record set by Terminator 2, Judgment Day, making it the first film to gross more than a million pounds in a single day. Worldwide, Batman Returns grossed $266.8 million. It was the sixth highest grossing film of 1992, behind Lethal Weapon 3, Basic Instinct, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, The Bodyguard, and Aladdin. Batman Returns was, was released on VHS and Laserdisc, on October 21st, 1992. Its VHS version had a lower-than-average price to encourage sales and rentals. The film was expected to sell millions of copies and be well perform- and be a well-performing rental, but it- its success would be restricted by the mature, violent content, which would appeal less to children, the main audience driving purchases. 
Batman Returns was released on, v- on DVD in 1997 with no additional features. An anthology DVD box set was released on October, in October of 2005 with all the films in the Burton Schumacher Batman film series. The Batman Returns segment had commentary by Burton, the Bat, the Cat, and the Penguin special about making the film, a four-part documentary, Shadows of the Bat, the, cin- uh, the Cinematic Saga of the Dark Knight, notes on the development of costumes, makeup, and special effects, and the music video Face to Face. The same anthology was released on Blu-ray in 2009 with a standalone Batman Returns Blu-ray release. A 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray version was released in 2019, restored from the original 35mm negative. It included the anthology's special features. A 4K Collector's Edition was released in 2002 with a steel bookcase with original cover art, character cards, double-sided po- a double-sided poster, and previously released special effects. Elfman's score was released on 19, in 1992 on compact disc, or CD. And an expanded soundtrack w- was released in 2010. About 120 products were marketed with Batman Returns. They included action figures and toys by Kenner Products, Catwoman-themed clothing, toothbrushes, roller skates, t-shirts, underwear, sunglasses, towels, beanbags, mugs, weightlift- weightlifting gloves, throw pillows, cookie cutters, commemorative coins, playing cards, costume jewelry, cereal, cereal, a radio-controlled Batmobile, and tortilla chips shaped like the Batman logo. Although there were about the same number of products marketed for Batman, there were fewer licenses and Warner Brothers could, uh, could have more oversight. The release of Batman the Animated Series later in 1992 was anticipated to extend merchandising success long after Batman Returns left theaters. Warner Brothers used holographic labels developed by American Banknote Holographs to detect counterfeit products. The film's novelization by Craig Shaw Gardner was released in July of 1992. A roller coaster, Batman the Ride, was built at Six Flags Great America at a cost of $8 million and was later replicated at other Six Flags parks with a Batman stunt show. Several video game adaptations entitled Batman Returns were released by a number of developers on a number of platforms, including Game Gear, Master System, Sega Genesis, Sega CD, MS-DOS, and Atari Lynx. The the Super Nintendo Entertainment System version was the most successful. Batman 89, a comic book series released in uh, 2022, continues the narrative of Burton's original two films, and ignores the Schumacher sequels. Set a few years after the events of Batman Returns, Batman 89 depicts the transformation of District Attorney Harvey Dent into Two-Face and introduces Robin. Which is kind of interesting. Um, they, they have uh, Carl Weathers as Two-Face slash mm-hmm. Harvey Dent like he was in 89. And I think, I could be mistaken, but they depict Marlon Waynes as Robin uh-huh. because he was actually going to have a cameo appearance as... Uh, Robin in 89, but they cut that storyline from it uh, entirely. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, The series was written by Ham with art by Joe Cunez. To celebrate the 80th anniversary of the Penguin's first comic book appearance, Danny DeVito wrote Bird Cat Love, a 2021 comic book story about the Penguin and Catwoman falling in love and ending the COVID-19 pandemic. I've never read it. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, to the library for yeah. bird cat love. Yeah. The Red Triangle Gang made their first appearance outside Batman Returns in the 2022 comic book Robin number 15. A holiday book was released in 2022, Batman Returns, One Dark Christmas Eve, the illustrated hol- holiday classic by Ivan Cohen. <clears throat> Directed by Tim Burton. Screenplay by Daniel Waters and uncredited Wesley Shrink. Story by Daniel Waters and Sam Hamm. Based on Batman characters created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Produced by Denise Denovi and Tim Burton. Edited by Chris Lebenzon. Cinematography by Stefan... Oh. 
Yeah, blame Tim Burton for this. <laughs> Stefan Zapsky? I think so, yeah. Music say. by Danny Elfman. Production companies are Warner Brothers and Polygram Pictures. Distributed by Warner Brothers. Running time is 126 minutes. Starring Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne, Batman. Danny DeVito as Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. The Penguin. Michelle Pfeiffer as Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman. Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. Andrew Bernarski as Charles Chip Shrek. Michael Gao as Alfred Pennyworth. Pat Angle as James Gordon. Michael Murphy as Mayor of Gotham. And the cameo appearance of Paul Rubens as Tucker Cobblepot. Penguin's father. It was uh, Pee Wee Herman. Oh. Yeah. Because uh, Burton directed the Pee Wee Herman movie. That was that was his first movie. He did that, he did Beetlejuice, and then he did Batman. Um, but so yeah, we start off... Yeah. It's Christmas time, everybody! Welcome, welcome to, to Christmas in Gotham! <laughs> Christmas. Um, Christmas in Gotham. Yeah, and you know, parents... Uh, Christmas in July, not quite, but... Yeah, well, oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, we're almost on the Christmas in July season. Although... Uh, we don't have quite as much Tim Allen uh, content Tim this Allen year. Content. <laughs> so we might we might not do a Christmas in July special this year. Uh, we'll have to see. But uh, it's Christmas time in Gotham, and what better way to celebrate it than by drowning your mut- mutant baby into the sewers? <laughs> but yeah, we start off with uh, the pe- everything about this for the first sequence is just so funny. To me. Yeah, we start off with the Cobblepot's parents, which also uh, Paul Rubens. He has that more classic. Oswald Cobblepot look where he's got the cigar on the long stick and everything, mm-hmm. the monocle and everything. They they depart heavily from Cobblepot's, uh, the Penguin's design from the comics for uh, this Tim Burton movie. But uh, well, they got to make it more Tim Burtony. Oh, they certainly <laughs> do. And that that's something I have it in my overall score, but I'll just get it out of the way here. They di- Tim Burton dialed up the Tim Burtoniness for this movie. Like watching these back to back, it's it's Tim Burton said this is a Tim Burton film. Yeah, God damn it, and we're gonna make it a Tim Burton film. The way I describe it in my overall score is that Batman '89 is a movie directed by Tim Burton, and this movie is what if Tim Burton created Batman? The only the only thing that it's lacking is, <coughs> is that Alf- if if Tim Burton actually created Batman, Alfred would be a giant ske- skeleton man. Like, he would be Jack yep. Skellington, the Pumpkin King. Um, <laughs> which, Tim Burton's sitting there listening to our podcast now going, <laughs> I could have done that. <laughs> why didn't I do that? Damn it, young Tim. Why didn't you have that idea? Um, which, some, like, I, I, you know, I criticize this stuff a lot. It, it's good. The stuff that's good is really good by Tim Burton. It's just there's also a lot of really weird stuff. Like, <laughs> and this falls under weird. Yeah, yeah. But and I have to say, he must be a cool guy to work with because he does have a lot of reoccurring actors. Like a lot of the actors that he works with like to work with them. They show up for and uh, literally everything he does. Yeah, like he had a long history with Michael Keaton here, Beetlejuice, the Batman movies. He then ditched Michael Keaton for Johnny Depp. I guess he thought he was cuter. Um, <laughs> he. Uh, you know, his former wife, uh, was his leading lady for most of his movies, um, Helena Bottom Carter, um, and, you know, he would reuse Alan Rickman a lot, he would, uh, like I said, use Johnny Depp all the time, and all the side characters, he uses Danny DeVito all the time in most of his movies, in fact, uh, Danny DeVito's in that Dumbo movie that he did, and everything, but, yeah, so he must be cool to work with, because a lot, a lot of actors love working with him, um, that makes sense. But so the Cobblepots, you know, ditch their mutant baby into the sewers. Mm-hmm. And uh, unlike the sewers of New York City that have alligators living in them, the sewers of Gotham City have penguins living in them. Uh, they find the baby and adopt it, I guess. And then we flash forward to Christmas time in Gotham again. And Alfred's out shopping, doing some Christmas shopping. And he uh, comes across a newspaper vendor who's trying to sell the paper and tells him about the horrible penguin man living in the sewers. And Alfred's like, I don't read that sort of rubbish and moves on his way. But then he notices some shiny flippers that were in the sewer grate Mm -hmm. that that disappear. But he goes on his way and they're going to be lighting the Gotham Christmas tree up and uh, they're attacked by uh, the Red Triangle Circus, which is this uh, evil circus that is in Gotham City that I, I never noticed until watching it this time. Bruce does a little research on them that they were just like a circus that was in Gotham. But after so many children went missing, 
uh, at that circus. They shut the circus down. Oh, makes and, sense. And then they just became a crime syndicate, I guess. Oh, makes um, sense. Something that I also have in my overall score that I, I feel like I should just address now and then reiterate then is that the penguin is totally not necessary for this movie. You could cut the oh, penguin yeah, completely 100%. out of it. Just have Max Shrek, the guy who... Have him run for mayor. Have him run... That he wants to run yes. for mayor. And that he controls the Red cir- uh, red Triangle yeah, Circus. Boom. Like, you don't need the penguin. The penguin's completely eliminated. Yeah, the peng- Again, the penguin's here to be the weird, absurdist part of yeah. Tim Burton's horror madness going on. Nothing against Danny DeVito. He does a fantastic job with, with what this character was supposed to be and the material that he has. Yes. Added. He really... Uh, he's, he's better at this than Jack Nicholson was at the Joker. That being said... I don't like this interpretation of the penguin. Uh, it's very weird. Get it out of remember here. Remember like, saying that I was like, I intensely remember watching Batman Returns as a kid. I'm pretty sure I just remember it because if you're not terrified by the penguin as a kid, did you even watch this movie? Yeah. Like, yeah. like I don't remember the rest of it. I just remember being freaked out. Yeah. But, um, so they're, they're having the uh, lighting tree ceremony. Uh, we get introduced to Max Shrek at uh, his Shrek Industries building or whatever, because mm-hmm. everyone has an industry or a company or something. If you're yes. a billionaire in the DC universe, your company or industry or whatever, conglomerate. Yes. Um, he has a very, I don't, I don't know how you would describe her, meek uh, secretary, yes. Selena Kyle, who uh, makes the mistake of trying to suggest something at one of his board meetings. And then she says, oh, uh, it's just a question really. And uh, Shrek says, well, you have to forgive Miss Kyle, uh, but she does yeah. make one hell of a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> like, And uh, yeah. leaves. He left his speech behind, and she's panicked because he doesn't have a speech, so she's trying to bring it to him. The Red Triangle Circus shows up, which I'm just going to start calling them the circus. Like That, that was uh, something that I remembered about this movie, but I was like, were they Joker gang members that were left over? or what? But no, it's like an evil completely, circus. Yeah. Just a completely yeah. unrelated circus, yeah. because everybody is clown-themed in yeah. this yeah. universe. So they start attacking the citizens of Gotham and ruin the tree lighting ceremony, and then Batman shows up to... to murder <laughs> these circus performers um he takes out a lot of them he has a brief moment with selena where she's being attacked by one of the clowns he rescues her from the clown and then like she's like oh <laughs> hey batman or, or is it is it the batman like what what do you prefer and he just walks away and she's like good talk and then she steals that clown's little um taser that he had she zaps the the clown with it and that'll come back later in the plot. Yes, it will. And Batman, you know, stops the circus performers from mm-hmm. what they were doing. And they, do they, ma- I'm trying to remember, they managed to kidnap Shrek at this point? Or, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, he falls. Him. He falls into one of the sewer grates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he kidnaps them yeah. and then basically... It meets uh, the penguin. Meets the penguin. Penguin's yeah. blackmailing him. Yeah. He, because Shrek, while on the surface, is like a... Shrek's Elon Musk, or Jeff yeah. Bezos, or anyone. Like, he, he, he wants to have this positive image of himself out there and everything, but really he's polluting Gotham's water, he's yes. he, he's got toxic chemicals, he killed his former partner, and like had, like had the body cut up and flushed down the sewer, he shredded all the evidence that his uh, company was doing all these evil things, Penguin took the time to tape all the shredded yeah. papers back together, yep. and... Um, and he says, like, listen, you're gonna introduce me to society... Like you're gonna, I'm you're gonna rehabilitate my image. I don't want to be the evil penguin man that lives in the sewers. Uh, really, penguin has a secret plan, a motivation behind this. But Shrek's like, okay, yeah, you're gonna, you know, uh, yes, not not release this stuff. So they fake a stage kidnapping attempt on the mayor's child. Yes, and Oswald the penguin saves the baby. Saves. Yeah, um, it. Before that happens, though, Selena is back at the office. We have a we have a brief moment where she goes home and listens to recordings, uh, messages, some from her mother, because this is before cell phones, so you weren't available and then, to everyone and all the time. some to herself to remind her to go back to the office because yeah. she's going to forget something. She forgot the paperwork about the Bruce Wayne meeting, blah, 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 so she has to go back to the office. And while she's there, she stumbles across Shrek's uh, secret files that he doesn't want anyone to know about, and he's like, oh... Uh, she's like, "What are you? What are you gonna do? Murder me?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I'm gonna do." And then he pushes her out a window. She falls through several cat-themed canopies, and then yep. lands on this alley. 
where a bunch of cats bite and lick her back to life. <laughs> Cat uh, magic! Yeah. Evidently, I think in the summary it says here because, like, she crashed through the canopy, she only had a mild concussion when she hit the... Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, she dead. Like, there's some magical yeah. cat thing going on here that bring, <laughs> brings her back. She goes back home again, mirroring when she went home the first time, listening to the messages again, and one of the messages is about a lady perf- perfume sold by Shrek Industries. Mm-hmm. And that's where she freaks out, starts destroying her apartment... All the cute pink things. Now yes. she spray paints black because yes. it's a Tim Burton movie. So cute yes. and pink means and the girly. And now says like hell here. Yeah, in the it used background. to say hello there. And that's something I remember my sister loved about this movie was that like she smashes the hello there sign into hell here. Yep. My, my um, I don't want to go too much into it, but my, my sister at a time period in her life loved Michelle Pfeiffer, was obsessed with Michelle Pfeiffer, thought Michelle Pfeiffer was the greatest thing ever. I personally think Michelle Pfeiffer's pretty. And I think she's a hot old lady now. (laughs) I remember when when Hairspray came out and I was like, oh, do I have a thing for older women? Like, I was like, like, because Michelle Pfeiffer looks damn good in this movie. But oddly enough, at her peak, like this and Grease 2 and stuff like that, she's pretty, but not for me. Like, I'm like, like, eh, you know. Understood. Um, No, then she uh, makes a cat suit for herself. Yes. And puts it on and... Makes a weird comment about feeling yummy and yeah. that's some. There's a there every. <laughs> there's so I, many sexual comments. Every penguin line is a sexual comment. Half of Max Shrek's lines are a sexual comment, and even like a third of Batman's lines are a sh- are a sexual. There's Tim Burton was unleashed in this movie. Like there's so much hor- horny energy in this movie. <laughs> I really, I, I would love to interview Tim Burton and get his opinion about, like, relationships and dynamics, because he was cool with Batman essentially raping Vicky Vale in the last movie, and now this movie, everyone's horny all the time. I, I gotta interview him. He just his... likes sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. So Shrek reveals to Penguin that he wants him to run for mayor, mm-hmm. because the mayor's not playing ball with Shrek. He won't let him build this new power yes. plant that he wants, which isn't really a power so plant. So now Shrek's trying to make it his plan, yeah. like... yeah. So he wants uh, Penguin, because Penguin saved the mayor's baby, everyone loves the Penguin Man, he wants him to run for mayor, and Penguin's like, oh, but what I really want to do is find my parents, that's not what he really wants to do, but <laughs> but he's like, what I really want to do is find my parents, and blah blah blah, and he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that, blah blah blah, but I need you to get, you know, your circus gang members to go and, like, create chaos in the city so that the mayor gets recalled, um, and Penguin's like, okay, like, we'll, we'll, we'll do both, and so he's doing that. And it leads to a confrontation between Batman, Penguin, and Catwoman. Because Catwoman goes out to blow up Shrek's uh, store that he has, mm-hmm. like where he sells his goods and everything like that. Uh, she has a, a cool confrontation with uh, the security guards that are there, where they make a bunch of sexual comments about her. And then uh, she uses her whip on them, and they say, Lady, we're, we only take $300 home. Like, don't do this to it. And she's like, you're overpaid. Get out of here. And then she backflips her way out of the building uh, to to confront with, with Batman and the Penguin. Because that was something that I forgot to mention in the first movie. I know they built, like, sets for the stuff in it, but everything in that first movie happens on one block. The Monarch yeah. Theater, uh, City Hall, and that yeah. Gotham Cathedral are all on one block. That's where the whole movie takes place. This, this is a different block, but similarly, everything happens on this one block in Gotham yes. in this movie. In the, like, town square <laughs> yeah. center. Yeah. yeah, But so Batman, Penguin, and Catwoman run into each other, and she perfectly times her meow after doing her backflips, and then the building explodes. Penguin takes off in his little helicopter uh, umbrella. Catwoman's climbing up the building. Batman manages to catch up to Catwoman, and they have a little sexual play thing going on there. little tension. <laughs> yeah, where she digs one of her claws into his back or side or whatever, um, and then he napalms her, <laughs> as, she, <laughs> as she says it. I think the summary says it, too, that he used napalm on her, burns her shoulder. He goes back to the Batcave, takes the claw out of his back, and he's like, oh, Alfred, bring me some antiseptic ointment, blah, blah, blah. And But, you know... I'll 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 give them some leniency with Bruce Wayne because he's not the most normal person, but uh, he has some issues with being attracted to, to the wrong type of woman in this movie. Um, anyway, so <laughs> oh, definitely yeah. when he's like flirting with Selena Kyle yeah. herself, and he's like, 
yeah the, the, <laughs> spe- like... the speech that he has with her at the end of the movie uh, well, we'll get, i'll get to it <laughs> but they they go to uh he goes to his meeting with max max shrek the next day and he confronts shrek and he's like listen like you know you're not the good guy that you're trying to portray yourself as blah blah, blah. and shrek's like well what are you gonna do about it wayne he's like you know cobblepot's gonna be mayor like i'm like a secret evil guy but everyone thinks i'm a nice guy like and you're ju- you're just a billionaire playboy like what are you gonna do i don't, I don't care get out of here and selena shows up and he's like oh selena you're still alive <laughs> like oh uh see mr wayne out and she's like okay yeah i have a i don't really remember what happened last night oh and the thing too that i want to mention uh because i saw an interview with the actor that plays chip shrek max's mm-hmm. son uh he said and he christopher walken never talked about it to him but he was doing a Christopher Walken impersonation. Like, that's why he talks the way that he does. And it's like, he's like, Dad, go. Get out of here. Dad, you gotta go. Like, he, he, he said, like, I was imitating Christopher Walken. Which, Christopher Walken doesn't really have it dialed up that much in this movie. It's a, it's, it's a much more mild Christopher Walken speech pattern in this movie than it is in other things that he's in. But yeah, the guy that played his son was doing a Christopher Walken impersonation for this movie. But he's like, Dad, do you believe that uh, Selena doesn't really remember? And he's like, well, if she does, I'll just throw her out a higher window. <laughs> so Batman is suspicious of Penguin, and he's researching He's researching him, and he's researching the, the circus gang. And that's where we also get a little reference. I forget the exact line, but it's something about aquatic bird boy was in that circus. So at some point, the circus performers found the Penguin. Like they, he was in, oh, he, he was part of the circus and everything like that. And that's where we also get that the children started disappearing at the circus, so the circus was shut down. And they went, they became a, a gang. He's like, no, the penguin's up to something. I don't know what it is yet, but he's not, I think he knows who his parents are, and which he does. He knows he's Oswald Cobblepot, somehow. I don't know how he knows, but he does know. And what he's really doing is he's finding all the names of the firstborn sons in Gotham. Because his plan is to kidnap all the firstborn sons in Gotham and drown them. Because he was rejected as a child, as the firstborn <laughs> son. Yes. Which I remember over the years, there was supposed to be some plot that was removed from this movie, but it was supposed to be that Shrek and Penguin were brothers. And that would make sense. Yeah. You know I got that vibe the whole time I was watching it? Like, Yeah, and that Shrek didn't know, but Penguin did know, and blah, blah, blah. But it wouldn't, cause he's, he's Max Shrek. He's not Max Cobblepot. Like, But yeah. wh- whatever, it is what it is. The Penguin decides to kidnap Gotham's Ice Princess. She's like the Christmas beauty queen or whatever of Gotham. This leads to a confrontation between Batman, Penguin, and Catwoman once again. Um, Hold on one second. Okay, and we're back. Sorry, had to take a brief bathroom break mid-recording. But so, uh, Penguin and Catwoman team up because they're going to ruin Batman's image. Yes. It's like their plan. Uh, Penguin then kidnaps the, the ice, queen. yeah, the ice princess, and uh, this is part of the plan. Batman, or excuse me, Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle go on a date together, and they both uh, inadvertently rub the other one's injuries while they're having a very hot makeout sesh. Um, yeah, and they they see on the TV that because i guess they're netflix and chilling before netflix and chilling was a thing um they're newsing and chilling yeah they see they see that uh penguin is kid or no that the ice princess was kidnapped and that it appears to have been done by batman because penguin has one of batman's batarangs and he leaves that behind as evidence Mm -hmm. and they both make terrible excuses why they have to leave to alfred who is just relieved that he doesn't have to tell either one of them yeah um and which i do love uh Michelle Pfeiffer's line about, like, she's like, tell him I have, can you just, like, make up a, a sonnet or a filthy limerick or something to tell him? And Alfred's like, one has just sprung to mind. And they both take off. And they show the contrast here, because rich billionaire Bruce Wayne goes down to his newer, even fancier Batcave than the last movie, mm-hmm. picks from one of his multiple suits hanging there what to wear, picks from one of his multiple boots what to wear, picks from one of his multiple cowls what to wear, like, taking his time, getting ready and everything like that. Meanwhile, poor Selena Kyle is rushing in her car and getting dressed as Catwoman at the same time. So yep. they, they just show the contrast between them. Batman shows up to rescue the Ice Princess. He and Catwoman get into a fight. 
uh, which culminates with them being on the roof. Uh, the penguin throws an umbrella f- laced with bats <laughs> that uh, is weird, yeah, you know. <laughs> which causes the ice princess to fall off the roof onto the lighting tree ceremony where she hits the button, like her body hits the button, she dies, and a bunch of bats fly out from the Christmas tree, uh, trying to make it seem like Batman is trying not only to murder this girl, but ruin their Christmas ceremony. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Penguin takes off again. Uh, Batman and Catwoman have another fight, but eventually Batman flies down, which I, I don't understand why he did this. Among, like, all the chaos that's going on, he decides to fly over it. Like, it's like, dude, you're totally making it seem like yeah. you did do this now. Yes. But Catwoman and Penguin are having a little conversation. I forgot to mention that when uh, Batman and Catwoman had their first fight, he kicked her off the roof, and she ended up landing in a Glass truck head. of sand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, And she says it's kitty litter, like, saved by kitty litter, blah, blah, blah. But she, she has a problem with Batman because Batman tried to kill her. He's the second man that tried to kill her. And then Penguin uh, ties his helicopter umbrella to her neck, and he and she ends up falling through a glass roof. Uh, and now part of her magical cat powers is that she has multiple lives. Um, yeah. yeah, and she falls through a glass roof and screams, breaks the rest of the glass. Meanwhile, while all this has been happening on, the circus uh, reprograms the Batmobile to give Penguin control of it. Mm-hmm. Which I have memories as a child of that little mobile that the Penguin's riding, that mm-hmm. being a video game at arcades that yes. you could do. Uh, I, I don't know if that's... But I have memories of it. So maybe maybe they're false memories, but I remember that being a thing. But uh, Penguin takes control of the Batmobile and is causing more chaos in the city with it. Batman decides to record the Penguin talking to him while he's doing... Because he's saying all these things about the pinheads of Gotham and blah, blah, blah. Um... Batman eventually breaks the Penguin's remote control device, takes back control of the Batmobile, has a kind of cool scene where it's heading towards this very narrow alley, and he turns the Batmobile into a bullet, essentially, gets gets mm-hmm. through the narrow alley. Yes. And then the Penguin the next day is having a press conference, because he, he he's been running for mayor, and he wants to, you know, talk about what a lousy job the current mayor's doing and how he'll fix things. And Batman uses the recording that he has of, of the... Of him saying the pinheads of Gotham and I played this city like a harp from hell and blah blah blah. All the people start booing at him. And the line I actually did crack up at was Danny DeVito saying, or the penguin saying, uh, why do people, why, why is there always someone who brings rotten tomatoes and eggs to public speeches? Because <laughs> like, it is kind of silly that they're yes. throwing the rotten fruit, food at him and everything. Um, then he gets chased by the cops who shoot at him, which it's like, what, because he said bad things about the people of Gotham? Like, it's not like Batman revealed that he was in control of the circus or, no. it, like, causing all this or whatever, but he, the, the cops shoot at him, he well, died. Well, maybe we need to assume that Bruce did tell them already or something. Maybe. But he, uh, or, or maybe it's a commentary on police brutality or something, I don't know. Maybe Tim Burton's woke. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, uh, Penguin dives back down into the sewers and uh, another moment was earlier in the film. One of his goons calls him Penguin. And he says, I'm not Penguin. I'm Oswald Cobblepot. Here, the goon that said that says, oh, Oswald. And he's like, I'm not Oswald. I am the Penguin. He shoots and kills the goon because he reveals his plan that he's going to kidnap all the, the children and drown them. And the goon's like, isn't that a little excessive, like killing innocent children? And he shoots them and kills them. And he says, no, it's a lot excessive. <laughs> so Selina and Bruce meet at Max Shrek's Christmas party that he's throwing. They both go there because they think the other one's going to be there. And it's a masquerade ball for some reason. And everyone's wearing masks except for Selina and Bruce. (laughs) Of course. Because those are their masks. They're actually Catwoman and Batman. Um, And they realize that the other one is who the other one is because they have the line about mistletoe and it being deadly if you eat it but a kiss is deadlier if you mean it blah 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 whatever <laughs> um, and, no it's an all right tell line. us how you really no, feel it's an all right line <laughs> i but i i watch this movie a lot not as much as i watched 89 as a kid but it's just something that i've heard a million times in my brain um which actually something i forgot to mention in our batman 89 episode the joker's little soliloquied that he has to vicky mm-hmm. vale when he's leaving her apartment yep. about i'm only laughing on the outside but I thought that was a poem or something. No, it's actually from the movie. Like, I, I thought it might have been a poem that he was invoking, but it, it, it was nice. Um, but diving back into this, they both realize who the other one is, and Penguin party crashes the party to kidnap Chip Shrek, um, and he reveals the, his plan of taking all the firstborn sons of Gotham to everyone there. 
And Max says, no, don't take my son. It's me you actually want to kill. I'm the one that betrayed you. In a somewhat heroic moment, Max sacrifices himself for his yes. son. And Penguin's like, yeah, you're right. You are, you are the one that I want to kill. I'll, I'll kill the prince later, but I'll take you now. So this ultimately leads to Penguin's plan of kidnapping these children, drowning them in, in the toxic waste that Shrek had, and then drowning Shrek himself in it. Batman stops his gang from kidnapping the kids. So then the Penguin decides, well, I'll go with my backup plan of strapping missiles to penguins mm-hmm. that I'm remote controlling through some means. They yes. have devices on their heads. And they're going to go to uh, Gotham Square and blow up the city, essentially. Batman and Alfred manage to hack that signal that's controlling the penguins and make them come back to the penguins' lair. Meanwhile, Batman's driving a pretty cool bat boat to get down the sewers. To... <laughs> the bat boat. Yeah, I love. I like the scene where the penguins are, are going to shoot the missiles at him when he's going to, and he flips around, like goes around yes. the top. It is a pretty cool design for the bat boat. So he's trying to escape on his little duck. Uh, Batman crashes the boat into the duck, and then the penguins all show up, and they launch their missiles there. The penguin falls seemingly dying into the water but he'll come back for a moment in just a moment and then shrek is escaping from the cage that he's in and selena kyle catches him and she's going to kill him and bruce has a conference batman bruce has the confrontation where he's like no selena don't do it we're we're two of the same we're we're the same split down the middle which no bruce you're not (laughs) you have unresolved trauma from your parents being murdered in front of you and you, she almost died. Yeah, and you deal with it by beating up people. <laughs> like that, that's uh, that. she is in the midst of a mental breakdown from attempted murder and having had a horrible life leading up. To, like you're you're the privileged privileged prince of Gotham. You've been a billionaire since the day you were born. And, and, and he, like, she recognizes that, which is why she's yeah, like, no, yeah. I can't just come be your, like, happy little wife, can't love you, that's not how this is gonna happen. You get to be Batman. You choose to be Batman. She is Catwoman. Cat yeah, woman. like, like yeah. you, you, if you wanted, you could have the best therapist in the world help you deal with your problems mm-hmm. and you'd get over it. She doesn't have that option. Um, you're not the same. But anyway, it leads to... Selena electrocuting Shrek to death by giving him a kiss while she's holding that taser, but also grabs the electrical wiring. And Batman's digging through the rubble trying to find their bodies, which I do love that Shrek has the line, Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed like Batman? <laughs> she's like, because he is it's Batman, Batman. You, you moron. <laughs> and he's like, oh. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. It kind of makes sense. Um, but... But uh, she kills him. Bruce is digging through the rubble trying to find... He finds Shrek's fr- fried body, which is a very Tim Burton-y skeleton-looking thing. Yes. Uh, where the eyeballs are still there, yeah. but everything else is fried away. Yep. And then the penguin comes back. He's bleeding black blood from his mouth and nose and everything. Which he's had black spit in his mouth the whole time, but he's bleeding black blood. And, and, he, and he's going to shoot Batman with one of his umbrellas, but he pulls out the little toy umbrella that he was going to lure the children with, and he makes a comment about, ah, damn it, it's the wrong umbrella. He collapses and dies, and then four penguin ushers show up and, you know, eulogize him into the (laughs) ground, um, or into the water. And then we cut to uh, Bruce Wayne being driven by his butler uh, around Gotham City, which is something, too, uh, I forgot to mention in the last movie, and I think in this one, too, they're British cars, because the steering wheel is on the right-hand side or whatever you want, uh, sitting in the car. It's on the opposite side from the American cars, which I like that Alfred drives British cars. Uh, presumably they're Wayne's cars, but I'm just like, yeah, I like that Alfred does that because he's British and drives a British car. Mm-hmm. Um, and Batman sees Cat Catwoman's silhouette in shadow slinking through an alleyway, and he tells Alfred to stop. He gets out, and there's just a black cat there. One of, one of Probably Miss Kitty. Yeah, Miss Kitty. Um, I'm more familiar with her cat being called Artemis, because that was the name of it in Batman the Animated Series. But she is called Miss Kitty in this movie. And he takes the cat, and he goes back into the car. And uh, Alfred says to him, Well, come what, what, come what may, Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Wayne. And Bruce says, Merry Christmas, Alfred. Goodwill towards men and women. And then the movie score builds up. 
keeps going up and we see the bat signal and we see this time we see Catwoman stand up looking at the uh, bat signal telling the audience that she didn't die. I found out in doing research for this movie that specific scene of her standing up was added. It was shot two weeks before the movie was released because test audiences didn't like the ambiguity of whether she was alive or dead. And that's not actually Michelle Pfeiffer. It's a stand-in for her. That does it. Makes sense. Yeah, because we never see her face or anything. She just stands up. Um, so, that's the plot of the movie. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss about this? No, or? I think we covered this. Okay. Well, um, I just want to say I'm very excited for the uh, Flash movie that's going to come out. Although, I should mention, I'd be remiss if I did not mention, both uh, of these Tim Burton movies were slightly homaged, if not completely adapted, to the terrible Birds of Prey Warner Brothers television show yeah. that was on. That was about Batman and Catwoman's daughter. And they use the Catwoman suit and the Batman suit from these movies to show. And they even had a blonde blonde actress uh, standing in for Catwoman. So you, you would homage these movies and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So we, sort of, we it'd be interesting to see if that girl that played Helena Wayne shows up in the Flash movie. It, oh, it's really? possible. It's possible. But let's dive into our overall scores. I went first last time. Do you want to go first this time, or do you want... No, you can go first. Okay. All right. So honestly, I debated whether we should watch Batman Returns now or save it for one of our Christmas movies. And just to get the debate out of the way, it is a Christmas movie. Both the opening and ending segments take place on Christmas, and it's one of the subplots of the mo- And one of the subplots of the movie is that it is Christmas time. That being said, I think there are probably going to be references to this movie in The Flash, so let's cover it now. And... While I really enjoyed rewatching Batman, its sequel is just okay in my opinion. If I had to say why I feel differently about this movie, I put it this way. The first movie is directed by Tim Tim Burton, but this is what if Tim Burton created Batman? And I went on about that for some time before. It's an okay movie, but the Burtoniness of it uh, drags it down. Everything is way over the top, so the good stuff is good, but the bad stuff is unforgivable. Why is Penguin as gross as he is, both in design and behavior? Tim Burton. Why is there a ridiculous missile-launching penguin plot? Tim Burton. That being said, that uh, we also get the fantastic cast of this movie because of him, and the beautiful designs, costumes, and sets. Elfman's score is great as always, but there's too much going on with the plot. Max and Selina, Selina and Bruce, Bruce and Max, Max and Oswald, Oswald and Selina, Oswald and Bruce. Oh, and there's a killer circus and a mayoral campaign, and it's Christmas. An intricate, an intricate plot does not always mean a good one. You can eliminate Penguin from this movie entirely and still have the same movie. Just Max Shrek is the main villain. He could hire the Red Triangle Circus to cause all, all the problems, so he could run for mayor. Nothing against Danny DeVito. I think he gave a, a great performance. It's just a terrible plot and direction for the character. His motivations are all over the place. He wants to kill the children of Gotham because he was rejected as a child. That's a bad comic book storyline. Keaton's Batman is even better than it was before, and I'm excited to see him return to the role again. And while this is a Burton-esque Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer is great. I don't get why she needed magical cat powers, but whatever. She could just have been a foil for Bruce slash Batman. Also, it's weird that he sees so much of himself in this version of her because she's someone who's clearly in the midst of a mental breakdown, and Bruce literally says, we're the same, split down the middle. No, Bruce, do you have unresolved trauma? Yes. But she's in the midst, uh, in the midst of spiraling, and you and you've leveled off. Anyway, all that being said, I'm giving Batman Returns a six out of ten. It's fine, but nothing amazing. Magical cat powers because it's a Burton film, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I like I said, I definitely remember watching this as a kid a little bit more than watching Batman, but uh, it uh, I feel like this one definitely suffers from being too Burtony. Like, the entire time I was watching it, so I'm like, we don't need 90% of what I'm watching. And you're right, like, the missile penguins? Weird. Just strange. And, like, when I said the first one was very absurdist, this is, like, taking it to a new next level of absurdism. Like, okay. And we just put Batman in, like, the Nightmare Before Christmas setting and, like, let's go, I guess. Like, (laughs) when's Jack Skellington gonna show up? Like, that's... That's all it's meant. Alfred is Jack Skellington. Right. Or Jack Skellington is Alfred, whatever you want to say. It's just very odd. Um, the music's great, though, and, like, I love the sets and the actual design of the film. I just wish, like, 
it didn't suffer from having the weird plot lines and like the desire to just be strange for the sake of being strange. Like, strange is fine when there's purpose in that. And I would also give it a 6 out of 10. Okay. That's interesting. We feel very similar about both both films. Because they're good. It's just, yeah. they suffer from having the wrong person be completely in charge. Yeah. Like, and don't get me wrong, I like some of the things Tim Burton does, but I think... One of my all-time favorite movies is Big Fish, which is a very Tim Burton film. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a beautiful made movie and a great story and everything like that. It's just, this is off the, like, like I said, I the stuff the that's is good is because is good. this isn't like original content to him in any way, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a character, it's Batman, and it, like, Parts of has, it are, are almost mocking, in a yes, way, of the character. Yes, Like, it's like he doesn't even like it, like, ugh, I have to do somebody else's story and not my story. Yeah. Like, you know, think about what, like, a Tim Burton Star Wars would look like, and I guarantee it would look very similar to this. Like, yeah. it would just be weird. I think what he wanted to do, because this is, like, you look at, like, Edward Scissorhands. And so, yes. Like, he makes movies about ostracized people and how society rejects them and everything like that, but they're still good people. Mm-hmm. I think he wanted to make a Penguin movie where, like, the Penguin was the Edward Scissorhands character. Yes. But he had to make it a Batman, Batman movie. movie. And so, and I, I feel like you can feel that at parts of this movie. Like, he sort of has hatred for the character of Batman. And, like, you can kind of kind of feel it at certain parts. I, or maybe not hatred for the character of Batman. Maybe hatred for the Warner Brothers executives who were making him make a Batman movie. Yeah. And you can feel that in parts of this movie. I don't know. It's still an okay movie. But, like I said, the good parts are good. But the bad parts are just... Ugh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all that being said, this has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We, we will, will always entertain, entertain you. you.